Hello again, guys. Welcome back to the AJ Roberts Show. Today we are joined once again by Dr. Brian Ardis. Dr. Brian Ardis, welcome to the show again. AJ, it's great to see you again, buddy. Hope everybody's well out there in the UK. It's, uh, it's great to have you on again. Uh, guys and girls, If you um, those of you who remember that far back to when we had Brian on the show before, uh, we were joined by Stuart Wilkie, who's a pharmaceutical expert, and we were highlighting the sheer um, horrors of how bad certain drugs were being used in the UK and, and in the US, uh, namely midazolam here in the UK uh, and remdesivir in the US. However, um, remdesivir has subsequently been used in the UK extensively since we last spoke. Uh, and has taken the lives of a lot of people, uh, not just here, but in Australia, New Zealand, Canada, many other countries around the world, uh, making a lot of people a lot of money at the cost of people's lives. Um, you remember that we talked about the actual trials of remdesivir being used during the Ebola campaign. Um, what a false flag that was for a pharmaceutical intervention uh, at the cost of 54% of the trialees' lives after uh, up to nine days. Uh, of having of having the drug um, and it's been used extensively throughout hospitals throughout the United Kingdom United States Canada um, bringing on the onset of chronic uh, liver failure chronic uh, lung failure so it gives you the onset of certain illnesses um, at, at the time we spoke Brian you said um, you know it was responsible for up to 400,000 lives in the United States alone at that time I mean I dread to think what it would be now yeah, right now it's listed that uh, we're the only country in the entire world with over a, over a million dead from COVID, and that would include those that are treated. At the end of 2020, it was 550,000, uh, and the only difference between us and every country at the end of 2020 in relationship to COVID deaths was we were the only country in the world until the end of 2020 that used one antiviral experimental drug called remdesivir. So our um, National Institutes of Health, one of the directors, Anthony Fauci, who I'm sure the world is pretty aware of who he is, he's the one that said this drug was proven safe and effective against the Ebola virus and an early trial done in early of 2020 against COVID-19 and the virus they called SARS-CoV-2. And I just read through the studies in May of 2020 and then recognized that when he had asked the federal government in that month here in the United States, to buy up all the stock of this experimental drug and then was lying to the entire country that it was proven safe and effective against those two viruses, Ebola and SARS-CoV-2. That's when I went into action and went and told the whole world, we cannot use this drug. This guy's setting us up that the hospitals are going to be, they're going to set up protocols that mass murder people. And sure enough, uh, we are now the country that leads the way still two and a half years later with the most deaths related to COVID I mean, it's phenomenal. You've got this supposed virus going around the world, uh, making everybody sick, killing a whole bunch of people, making for a mandated vaccine agenda around the entire world. It's amazing. The whole world, 8 billion people have been exposed to this thing, supposedly. Yet the country that represents 4.5% of the whole world's population, when this whole thing went around, all 8 billion people, we're the only country that has over a million people that died. There's only one thing that separates the United States of America from all other countries. From day one, all we used was a experimental drug that was known to cause multiple organ failure, acute kidney failure, septic shock, and hypotension at lethal levels in 30% of everyone you gave it to in 10 days or less. And that's exactly why we have the highest statistics, period. And then everyone who was obviously died from the use of that drug was labeled as COVID and was used to scare the populations just the same 
as I did here in the UK with midazolam in the in the care homes and everyone being sent from the hospitals to the care homes who was deemed sick. Yeah, I did a, some great interviews with Claire Wills Harrison. There, she's mm -hmm. an attorney there in the UK and exposing the end of life protocols uh, that they used in the UK in nursing homes with the combo of midazolam and morphine. And then the chief coroner of the country telling them all that they had to label these individuals as COVID-19 deaths. They didn't even have COVID. So this, this was from the beginning, the great setup. In the United States of America, in the New York hospital systems, they killed 5,500 people in two months just with remdesivir as a clinical trial in just hospitals in New York. And then would pump out in the media that there's tractor trailer loads of bodies. Well, yeah, when you're overdosing them on a drug that shuts down the kidneys in less than 24 to 48 hours, and then put them on sedation drugs to vent them, like midazolam, morphine, lorazepam, fentanyl, Presidex. These are all the combination drugs they're using still throughout the United States and Canada and all over the world to sedate patients so they can intubate them when they don't need to be intubated. The sedation drugs lower your body's ability to contract your diaphragm. You cannot breathe or draw in oxygen. How does that help somebody with a respiratory failure? And then it also slows down your heart's ability to beat. Mm -hmm. uh, if you can't pump blood throughout your tissues into your brain, how are you not going to pass out and become mm -hmm. sedated? And then put in remdesivir into their body. It's going to shut down their kidneys. You're going to pump water into their veins in a fluid IV bag. You shut down the kidneys and still pump the body full of water. It's going to fill up their abdomen, the heart, and then it floods into their lungs and they develop what's called pulmonary edema. And this was the great setup. And then they diagnosed them all died of complications from COVID-19, which mm. was never the case. They were poisoned to death. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it, it's terrible to see this happen. And, and I was, well, I say I was, I was fortunate to interview an amazing lady, Nada, who uh, from Australia, whose husband was killed with remdesivir. He only went into hospital with suspected sepsis and then found him like, on his death certificate, had 12 injury, different injuries all to, all to do with remdesivir. And it was actually labeled as such. Um, it's horrific what she she and her, her husband endured. And we did um, a really informative episode. And off the back of that, um, senators in, in Australia have picked that up and are actually now taking that to the Senate um, to, gr to grill the government on their use of remdesivir and midazolam in the care homes and hospitals and the extent, extent it's actually had. So it's been, it was great to give her that platform to be able to share that story, albeit a you know, terrible, terrible thing that's happened. Um, but off the back of it, like a lot more awareness has now come about of it. And I know all the work that you've done in the United States has had a massive impact, uh, you know, being on all these different podcasts and and the fact that you actually went through it all, didn't you? Because your father-in-law obviously succumbed to the, um, to, to the actual treatment and the protocol at the start of the whole thing. Yeah, it actually was a protocol they prescribed to my father-in-law in February of 2020 that just, I really do think it's a God thing personally. Uh, he walked into a hospital complaining of fever and a headache at age 90. And he's totally living independently. He just went into the ER because that's what he trusts his hospital still. And uh, he went into that hospital. They diagnosed him with the flu, actually. It was before COVID was ever in Texas. Uh, COVID wasn't even announced to be in Texas until two weeks after he passed away. But uh, he goes in, they diagnose him with the flu. They put him on a drug cocktail for the flu that shut down his kidneys in 24 hours. And then they were using intravenous IV fluid, saline water, and it was actually accumulating in his lungs. You could actually see it on every x-ray of every day from day one, that this water level in his lungs was going up and they kept misdiagnosing it as pneumonia. 
<clears throat> I called them out on the fact on day five that this is pulmonary edema. There was so much water in his lungs and in the brain by day five, he went unconscious and had to be put on forced air to breathe or to stay alive. Mm. That's, and that's when I went up to the hospital for the first time. And then I challenged them on everything they'd actually, I wanted to see the lab test from day one, which was the first time ever that we looked at the notes and actually saw he never tested positive for the flu or pneumonia, but they'd been saying this for five days. And that was the cause for him being unconscious now and on a vent, which was not true. Uh, that was all a lie. It was actually set up by the side effects of a drug called vancomycin to recognize what occurred in my father-in-law's body physically to drugs poisoning the body within a nine day period. They killed him within nine days and they put him on a morphine drip and overdosed him for four and a half hours. And they called that palliative care, which is just like this end of life care that they nefariously used in the UK to murder innocent people and call it COVID-19. They did the same thing with him. And then they diagnosed him death caused by pneumonia, which mm -hmm. he never had. He had pulmonary edema, which by, which by definition is water accumulating in the lungs. Mm -hmm. And it was just a horrific thing. Uh, when I challenged them on day six and seven to change the protocols, he actually got better over a five hour period, peed out and lost 20 pounds of water from his lungs. His lungs went totally clear. When it got reported to the administrators by the doctors and nurses station that we made changes and he made improvements, the administration called my wife and said, we are permanently stopping all the changes we made upon your husband's request. And if he comes back up here, we're going to kick him out. We're not talking to him anymore. And this, this was the setup. And I looked at my wife and I said, uh, you know, they're covering up their liability for what I just exposed. They did to him for the last six days, which was shutting down his organs. And sure enough, two days later, I mean, they had me kicked out of security when I went up there that morning. And then uh, over the next two days, convinced the, my wife's family to put him on a morphine drip and do end of life care. If I had not witnessed this, I wouldn't have recognized the hospital protocol and the research studies published findings of the detrimental, serious adverse events of remdesivir that Anthony Fauci was lying about. It was mm -hmm. like I was reading these research studies going, oh my God, this is exactly what happened to my father-in-law and he died. They're about to set up everybody with a similar protocol, except remdesivir was three times as toxic mm. in its studies than the drug they used on my father-in-law. So I have been very loud. It was this effort to try to protect as many people in America originally uh, from this horrific hospital protocol that was just being set up for America. Mm. I just didn't know that after, uh, I mean, I, I did, I was so moved. I just hired a publicist and said, you got to put me in the media everywhere. I've got to save as many American lives as possible. And from my kitchen, I literally did 40 and 50 interviews a week. At the end of four months, I was like, I think I'm done. And after a, a, a week of me not doing inter interviews anymore and not knowing really what the impact was, but my conscience felt better, uh, Dr. Rainier Fulmick, the international attorney, reached out to my wife through Facebook and asked to depose me as a part of uh, their German Corona Foundation Committee who were trying to set up uh, all evidence to support a Nuremberg 2.0 trial. Mm. Uh, and, that's, and that's really what happened. I didn't realize it was going around the world that way. Uh, I was only familiar with Dr. Rainier Fulmick because people were sending me uh, Dr. David Martin's interviews with Rainier Fulmick when he was revealing all the patents. And it's just been a whirlwind ever since. So when I did my deposition with uh, Rainier Fulmick and his group, I mean, that had 10 million views worldwide before the week was even over. And then it just went everywhere. And now mm. by November of 2020, I started talking in May of 2020. Uh, once I went on Rainier Fulmix group, the very next month is when the World Health Organization came out and announced, and they have ever since, 
that they do not recommend remdesivir for any hospitalized COVID-19 patients. And they have published that over and over since then. Uh, but it's amazing to me that federal governments continue and federal health agencies continue to ignore the warnings and the data that I just continue to hammer out and throw around the world. Uh, it is a very toxic drug. Mm. It's a very deadly drug. And uh, no one should ever have that pumped in their veins. And disgustingly enough, AJ, with all the work we've done, uh, I mean, you mentioned me being on podcasts. I, I, I'm literally flying every weekend to some event or two states every weekend doing presentations. And me, Dr. Peter McCullough and others are in state capitol buildings like every month all around this country testifying to legislators on everything behind the hospital protocols, the punishment to medical doctors, uh, where the boards and the hospitals are usurping power to threaten them with their licenses if they don't follow the remdesivir protocol. And if they do anything early treatment suggested that isn't the remdesivir hospital protocol, these doctors are having their license taken from them. So I go in there, Peter and I go in there, he talks about the data on the vaccines, we try to get the mandates dropped. We've had a lot of success in doing that. It's just a lot of work and, uh, and a heavy burden to carry. Uh, yeah. but, uh, it's been a very uh, overwhelming, exhausting, exciting. Um, I don't know. Very, I, don't, I don't know what happened to me. I, I actually do know what happened to me. I witnessed my father and all die. That was really traumatic on me. It was like a PTSD moment. And when I read Anthony Fauci's memo to the world about remdesivir and saw his flat out lie, I, there was just this eruption inside of me that couldn't sit still anymore. And I wasn't going to let innocent people die. It's so, amazing that you describe it like that. Because I'm having a lot of conversations about that recently. Everyone's kind of got uh, who's on, I've been on this path doing on their journey, doing their bit, whether it's like doing a podcast or going around the country or doing something local. Everyone's kind of had a moment and, uh, I was explaining the other day that my grandfather, who like, you know, I'm the spitting image of, I'm like, he's, he was the second man to land on Juno Beach on D-Day. You know, we've got so much in common. He's like my hero. It was during, he died in August, 2020. Um, said he had pneumonia, but at his funeral, we only allowed like 20 people there. And so majority of the family couldn't even come. Everyone was supposed to wear masks. And I was like, this man should have hundreds of people here, like thousands probably for what, you know, what he's known for. Um, and that for me was my kind of like trigger to go at everything hard and aggressive uh, and, you know, and show the world, you know, exactly what these governments and tyrannical draconian uh, entities are trying to do to everybody. Um, just like you've done, obviously, with all the flying and obviously what Peter's been doing relentlessly, which has been amazing. Um and, and, and but it is unraveling it's getting the message out there i mean after our first interview you know in the first couple of months afterwards i had people messaging me saying oh something happened this weekend in hospital my mom was off was told she's gonna get put on this drug and uh we kicked back because we've seen that episode so you know it all those little uh all those little views and those shares and everything else and stuff like this just means so you know so much more than uh than anything else because it's, it's, that's how we get the information out there um your bit obviously your big uh ep what interview you did not so long ago with uh, Stu Peters, uh, it was called, uh, you know, watching the water. Um, that was obviously, there was tons of research and I watched it in great depth and you, know, you, you speak in, in, in extensiveness about the, the, the depth of research that goes into that and how you articulate the message that people can kind of try and understand it as best possible. Cause it's quite mind blowing, isn't it? To say like, Oh, you know, watch the water, talk about venom. Um, I brought quite an apt mug to the conversation, Cobra Kai. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Love it. Cobra. Yeah. Um, is it right to just kind of elaborate on like, you know, the title of the actual 
interview in the episode you did and what it kind of the overview of what it actually means uh, you know for what we're trying to show people yeah so that the, the watch the water documentary went worldwide i mean it was just it was a fury uh, i think i've done probably 400 interviews in the last eight or nine weeks since that dropped and i'm not kidding like every day it's 12 15 interviews every day all day around the world everybody want to talk about this uh hmm. this documentary and it's been a phenomenal experience um I knew it was going to be very upsetting and very trying to some people. Uh, and I don't know, I'll just ask, is your, they probably are, is your audience aware of who Dr. Zev Zelenko is? Yeah, the majority of people are, yeah, he's just recently passed away. Yeah, so he just passed away this last week. And uh, Zev Zelenko, the, the day after I filmed Watch the Water with Stu Peters is the day he got intel. And then he went on Stu Peters the very next day to tell him about this intel that his security team had gotten. And he's friends with mayors of New York City. He assisted Donald Trump's administration with uh, early COVID-19 treatments. Uh, he got a warning that Zev Zelenko was number two on an assassination list by Big Pharma, specifically Pfizer, and had to be silenced uh, in the next two months. And Zev Zelenko was trying to get a hold of me while I was flying home from uh, being with Stu, uh, letting me know that I was number one on this hit list for some reason. And he wanted to know what I knew. And I said, uh, I'm not surprised I'm on that list, Zev. I said, but I'm going to call an attorney buddy of mine, Thomas Renz, to call your security detail, and I want him to go through all the information and make sure it's legit. And so they did for several hours, and then Thomas Renz called me, and he goes, Dr. Arsh, you need to take this very seriously. This is a, this is a real threat. So I literally, for not until two weeks ago, but up until two weeks ago, I've had special ops in my house, walking the perimeters of my house and traveling everywhere I go for the last five, those, those five or six weeks because it, the threat was very real and I could feel the impending doom. I just didn't, I wasn't aware that other people were gonna find out about it. But uh, I was number one on this hit list and I wouldn't tell Zev why. He kept asking me, what is it you're about to reveal to the world? What are you studying? And I said, I can't tell you Zev, it's gonna put your life in danger too, uh, even more so than it is. Watch the water documentary. What I was uncovering and um, researching was, I'd received a text December 1st of 2021. So this is only like eight months ago. I'm basically known worldwide as the remdesivir guy and the hospital protocol guy, early treatment guy. All of a sudden I received this text on December 1st from a medical doctor I admire who actually came out with information. You don't have to be afraid of COVID in early May of 2020. He said, there's this amazing drug that's really safe for all ages. Even preemie babies can use it called budesonide. Just nebulize it. You'll be fine. His name is Dr. Richard Bartlett. He's an ER doc here in Texas. And he just let the world know this is a safe thing. Then he got bashed by the medical boards, by the American Medical Association here in Texas. All the media slandered him. And then Oxford there in the UK did two studies and backed up his research. That guy on December 1st of 2021 sent me a text. And it said, hey, Dr. Artis, if you got bit by a rattlesnake, would you go to a hospital and get antivenom? And... He sent that to me because he knew I didn't know something about anti-venom that he knew that I, he knew I didn't know because I wasn't an ER doc. I was a chiropractor. And so I had to look up what he was trying to get me to look at. And he knew I'd research it. So I just looked up what is anti-venom and only to discover that anti-venom, the most majority of anti-venoms around the world are monoclonal antibodies. And I had just not been talking kindly in one interview a big interview about monoclonal antibodies. I just preferred other early treatment for COVID like hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, you name it, all those So I was just telling people I didn't like it. I'd rather use these other things. And those interviews got back to him. So he sent me that text to make me realize 
you too, doctor artist, you just don't know it yet. You would trust monoclonal antibodies if you thought your life was being threatened by things like a rattlesnake bite. So I looked it up and I was like, oh, it's monoclonal antibodies. I didn't know monoclonal antibodies were anti-venom against snake bites. And then my very next thought, AJ, was this, and this literally changed my whole world for like the rest of my life, it feels like. And I'm not kidding. It literally shifted everything for me. It went like this, Dr. Bartlett in my head, Dr. Bartlett, if anti-venom, which is monoclonal antibodies, is used for snake bites, why do monoclonal antibodies, which are anti-venom, why is it working so well for a bat coronavirus? And this was just the question in my brain because Richard Bartlett's been telling me for four months he's got a monoclonal antibody infusion center with a 100% success rate for every COVID patient. And I was like, wait a minute, why would antivenom, which is monoclonal antibodies, why would that work for COVID? I thought that was a bat virus. And imagine my shock. All I did was go online. I was like, uh, what was the original source of COVID suggested to be? Now you have to understand, I was out of my mind in the beginning of 2020 because my father-in-law was killed in early February of 2020. Now I was dealing with funeral, grief, anger, upset. I wasn't paying attention to COVID stuff in the media. So when I went online to research what was the origin sources of COVID, imagine my shock that in China, it was being reported in every media outlet around the world that Chinese scientists isolated that SARS-CoV-2, its origin source, they actually called it the codon usage bias, which is these genetic terms, meaning mm. its genetic source, codon usage bias, was most identical to two snakes, not bats. Mm. And I remember thinking, oh, what? Wait, monoclonal antibodies are antivenom. The origin sourced by these Chinese doctors or scientists are saying this gene sequence is most identical to bats in January of 2020. Is that why monoclonal antibodies are working? And then I went like this. Is the FDA and the CDC and the NIH, are they recommending monoclonal antibodies for COVID? Nope. They just restricted them in January of 2020 and took them away from everybody in the United States from using them. And I was like, oh, this is the setup. What if it's true? And then I was like, what else do we know? So I was looking up everything in early 2020 only to find this study out of France. In France, they isolated the S1 and S2 spike proteins off of COVID and then ran their gene sequences. And they said it's most identical to three things. King Cobra venom called Cobra toxin. And then the other one was Bungaro toxin, which is Chinese crate snake venom, which is extremely deadly venomous snake. And then the other ones were uh, rabies virus sequences. Those were the three identical things. And then they said in France, the interesting thing about these small snippets of venom they attack nicotine receptors in the base of your brainstem. They cross the blood-brain barrier in the prey of, a, of an animal. And then they attach to nicotinic acetylcholine receptors. You have to understand, this was crazy for me to read over the last six months. I couldn't believe it. They said these venoms attack the nicotinic acetylcholine receptors and then suppress the body's ability to control smooth muscle contraction. So the heart rate drops, your diaphragm can't contract thorough enough to draw in air, and the person becomes hypoxic. Their actual oxygen levels start to drop, which is everything COVID. And then these researchers said, now what's amazing is these two venoms of these two snakes, which are identical to the spike protein on SARS-CoV-2, when they paralyze the diaphragm and the, the heart from being able to beat as strongly as you should be able to, and you start developing respiratory failure, What's interesting about that is 
when we observe around the world, all those hospitalized for COVID-19, the least hospitalized demographic are smokers. Uh-huh. Now smokers- Because they, they've already done that, that yeah. Yeah, they said there must be some protective mechanism of nicotine in smokers that's keeping them out of hospitals. And they said uh, it's less than 5% worldwide of smokers are ending up in hospitals. Now, AJ, I'd love to make sure your audience understands this because this is where my this is where the whole story of COVID started to change. I I was just thinking to myself then because I remember that uh, there's a huge push like uh, for people to quit smoking as well because they they didn't want people to, uh, to smoke. Exactly right. This is because of this study. So the French researchers said this. I I couldn't believe what I was reading. Out of this study, peer-reviewed, published in April of 2020. AJ, we're like two years since then. And I cannot believe this information was suppressed, changed, fact-checked, and then they went in a total opposite direction in the media. So the French researchers said this. They said what's interesting is these two venoms, uh, they attach to nicotinic acetylcholine receptors that control breathing. What's interesting is, is if this was a respiratory virus, this is what they said, if this was a respiratory pathogen that we're breathing in called COVID-19, if we're breathing this thing in, we suspect as researchers and scientists that smokers who have damaged lung tissue would be the most affected by a deadly respiratory pathogen, but that's not what we're seeing. The spike proteins, though, look and are identical to these little sequences or portions of snake venoms from two venomous snakes that, that actually cross the blood-brain barrier and actually attack the central nervous system to cause breathing and respiratory failure. And they said nicotine binds to those nicotinic receptors higher than anything else in the natural world. This is why they're called nicotinic acetylcholine receptors. So maybe smoking and the nicotine from smoking is protecting smokers from being hospitalized and having complications of COVID. Mm. So this is what they asked. They said, governments worldwide, please do nicotine agent studies for COVID. Do patches and gums. And let's see if it's as protective as it appears to be for smokers. The very next week, AJ, is when you saw all media around the world and all industrialized nations, including ours, start publishing all these ads and all these news article alerts that smokers were the most hospitalized for Mm COVID-19. And that wasn't true at all. And they said they were the most likely to die. So in America, they're saying, America, there's no better time than now to quit smoking. No better reason than now to quit smoking. The truth was their attempt to mass murder with this biological weapon was now being observed that a simple thing as nicotine was blocking its detrimental effects to put you into a hospital where they could pump you full of remdesivir or use midazolam or morphine or sedation drugs or protocols to mass murder you, call it COVID. Mm. So they realized this wasn't working. In the same article, in the same article in the world, might as well know it, AG, they actually said, this is in April 2020, we're also seeing reports and research studies from around the world that ivermectin, this is in the nicotine, venom spike protein research study they said we're recognizing and having reports from around the world that ivermectin is stopping the replication of the virus called SARS-CoV-2 and stopping the COVID-19 disease process which is interesting they said because ivermectin binds crosses the blood-brain barrier and binds to alpha-7 nicotinic acetylcholine receptors and this is most likely why ivermectin is so beneficial. Mm. The body's nicotinic acetylcholine receptors, in order, have the highest affinity to bind nicotine 
which means if anything else is bound to that receptor, it will always prefer nicotine and kick whatever else off. So nicotine binds to it, the venom comes off for the spike protein they call SARS-CoV-2. And then if you use ivermectin, ivermectin will bind there and then the venom will leave or the, the virus will come off if you want to call it a mm-hmm. virus or a spike protein. It doesn't really matter to me what you call it. It's actually weaponized venom and it's causing uh, massive amounts of harm, but not death. So this is what was coming to light for me as I was learning there was this venom aspect to COVID-19 and the spike proteins. All I did was this. I wanted to know how would they get these venom peptides into people? Like, how would they do that? Can you really tie a venom to a virus and release it in the air? I'd already been speaking for several months before I got the text from Dr. Richard Bartlett that I'm, I'm really concerned. I was on stages. I was in Capitol buildings telling everybody I'm, I'm really concerned about something. I don't trust the CDC and no one else does here that's talking out about COVID. I said, but on the CDC's own website, they actually say the only predictor they're using for all cities around America to predict an outbreak of SARS-CoV-2, which is supposedly a respiratory virus, is their PCR testing your water. In fact, their PCR testing your wastewater in your town in 400 cities, 37 sites. And I said, I really think they're they're probably doing something with the water. And I don't trust the CDC using that as a predictor mm-hmm. in the future of a respiratory virus outbreak. It doesn't even make any sense. And so I told Stu when I went there, I told him I needed some securities while I went to visit him because he used to be a bounty hunter. And he goes, well, what do you think you need protection from? What are you about to release on the world? And I said, uh, they're weaponizing venom and they're calling it just simply a bat coronavirus. And he goes, how would they poison people with venom and make them sick? And I said, I think they're doing it through the water. I think it's one of the reasons for the lockdowns. Yes, same. They're, they're shutting you down and then they can filter into your homes, mm-hmm. more organized water filtration systems into your homes. Mm-hmm. And before anyone even listening to this thing goes, there's no way they're doing that. They are doing that. They've yeah. already built systems throughout the whole world, parallel secondary water line systems that they can actually deliver toxic. They have remote controlled RIFD valves and secondary parallel systems to your main system in your city that has check valves that can be remotely accessed, opened and closed to deliver something to just your house, to just your neighborhood, mm-hmm. to just your apartment. And a author and investigative journalist named Janet Felon, F-P-H-E-L-A-N, she, she wrote a book on this 15 years ago and testified in Switzerland and in America that there is this pandemic setup where they can poison us through the water systems. Uh, I just propose that they're doing venom that way because I didn't trust that every industrialized nation, including England, Wales, Scotland, France, all of them have been only going to water treatment facilities in your country and testing the water in your water treatment plants and then telling you this is how much SARS-CoV-2 we're finding and we're warning you about a future outbreak next week. I mean, how, how can you predict that with wastewater? Mm. That water supposedly is leaving your town. If it already went through you and you pooped it out and flushed it out, how are you using that as a predictor in the future for an outbreak? It already happened. It already went through your people. They already it, pooped it out. That already explains why, um, like, I think it was uh, in Spain, the um, people tested using the lateral flow test, uh, tested some just seawater and was testing positive. Um, yes, but like based on everything you just said, then it just makes so much sense. And um, if I put that into a scenario, 
for people who are listening. If you think back to March 2020, when we're all put into lockdowns, we were told, obviously, it's all for your own benefit. Everyone was chipping in. They were doing their own thing. Um, the weather was surprisingly amazing. Um, but what people didn't realise is, like, if by being locked down, you're funneled, aren't you, into a system. So they've got you where they want you. And in terms of the media, you just got constant flood. And that's a ta- uh, sort of an NLP sort of CIA tactic, isn't it? Like, just flood media with whatever you want to sell. Um Disney Plus also, funnily enough, came out the very next day onto just happened to, you know, was made overnight. Microsoft Teams, all this kind of stuff. And it was all, again, to funnel you into a place where you can be hypnotized. Uh, but then while you're at home, you're drinking all your tap water, aren't you? Using your tap water for cooking, using like shower and everything else like that. You're also being subjected to rubbish food because you're limited to either going to the supermarket, but McDonald's and everywhere else is allowed open, no gyms. Um, so again, you're putting all this toxic, E numbers, rapeseed oil, like, and all, you're, it's just all adding up. Um, and then and then suddenly enough, you're sick and you've got flu-like symptoms and you think you've got this bat virus that's going around, um, whilst they're also sticking 5G towers up at the same time and messing with all the frequencies, allowing you out for one hour a day for exercise, um, when it was actually to reduce your exposure to potential frequencies. Um, and so they've literally got you where they want you and just toxicating, toxicating, toxicating. And then everyone's on Facebook going, oh my God, I've got the virus, I've got the virus. You need to isolate, you need to isolate. Here's a test, here's a test. Don't want to get that again, do you? Here's a solution, here's a solution. And again, it's just all like reeling people in, isn't it? Like once they've got them funneled where they want them and everything you just said about the water makes absolute sense. It was amazing when the Watch the Water documentary dropped people from around the world. And I'm not kidding, I woke up to like a thousand texts the next morning, even though I was kind of stressed about the whole world, about to watch this thing. Because uh, Stu had set it up really well to get a whole lot of people's attention, and they did, man. They, the whole world just mm. zoomed in on this thing. Well, I, the next morning I woke up to thousands of texts, and they were all going, "Oh my God, did you know? I didn't know they were doing this in my country." <laughs> Every single community in Wales, Scotland, and in France, one hundred percent of them have been doing this water testing stuff, and we had no idea they were using this as the predictor. How did Doctor Artist figure this out? How did you, well, the CDC over here has been publishing. That's what they're doing. It just doesn't make any sense to me. And mm. the fact that the CDC here in America admits that they've been doing it since January of 2020 till September of 2020, they were doing it that whole time, but have never disclosed the data. They've never released the data, but they were doing it for the first 10 months of the pandemic here in the United States, but they won't tell you what they found or what they were doing. That's very creepy to me. I do not think all of a sudden the CDC and all these governments around the world all of a sudden were doing something right by testing your water for COVID. No, look, look, people, and AJ, this should make sense to your people. If you were the CDC or you were the NHS there in the UK and you guys were trying to predict outbreaks and protect your citizens from a respiratory virus, and you were still allowing people six feet apart in the airport and then cram them all into an airplane and then fly them to other parts of the country. If you were the NHS and you were trying to determine are there outbreaks and movement of this virus from people transmitting it, and let's just say you had an airplane only to look at. Your your whole area that you're in control of, AJ, is you're to test people and subjects and citizens in airplanes who are traveling. When the airplane landed, and your job is to go find a respiratory virus. Would you go look in the toilet on that airplane for to see if the people were pooping out the virus? 
to find out if they were going to be transmitting it to someone else in the next town they just landed in? Or would you, AJ, go into the airplane and pull respirate like air filters to see if there's any SARS-CoV-2 in the air? Hmm. Supposedly, this is a respiratory virus. Why are they only looking at poop water? This doesn't make any sense to me. It wouldn't make any sense to you. It shouldn't hmm. make any sense to you. It doesn't to me. However, every government around the world, industrialized nations, 46 of them, have been systematically putting chemicals in your tap water, like chlorine, like fluoride, that are all neurotoxic and cancer-causing chemicals. They put that stuff in your water. That's what they do already. So the idea of putting something else in the water is not that far-fetched. They've been doing it for years, mm. and there's been tons of us, scientists, researchers, doctors around the world testifying in city council meetings all over the place. Do not put fluoride in the water. It makes you dumb. It mm. causes dementia. It causes cancer over time. Why would we drink this every day? You know, it used to, they used to put it on your toothpaste, on your tube. They used to say, do not swallow. And if you do swallow, call, call pest control or poison control. And I'm like, poison control? Fluoride's very toxic. You weren't even supposed to ingest it from your little bitty tube dot on your toothbrush. Now they're going to put it in your water and let you drink it. It's pretty disgusting. It's the same, so, as, a, the same as a dentist, though, because like, I, I only worked this out a couple of years ago when I was really looking into the fluoride in the water. And as a kid, I was constantly told by the dentist that, that behind my teeth here, down the bottom row, he's like, oh, there's lots of wear there. And I'm like, how? I don't drink any fizzy drinks. I don't drink, like, I eat, yeah, I get sugars from fruit. Even as a kid, I never ate cake, like, didn't really eat many biscuits. I wasn't the sweet drinking or eating person. So I'm like, how can it be that bad? But it makes sense now. You know, it's not sugar that's caused that. It's fluoride. It is awful. So I just I, want to I'm like, all I drink is water at home. So I do want everyone to know, if you haven't watched The Water, watch The Water. Watch The Water documentary. Go watch it. If you haven't seen it, that's okay. You can watch it. But I do want people to understand, I wasn't afraid of the water. I was just saying, Stu, I believe they're doing it in the water. Mm. That's the only place they're looking. You know, And they're paying subcontracting people to go test your water in every city. And that's their only predictor they admit that they're using for a respiratory virus in your town. doesn't even make any sense unless they're putting something in there that they know you're going to get sick from in, in the future, mm. like in the very near future. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, not without even having that knowledge, you know, there's there's so many people now kicking back here in the UK that are uh, contacting their water companies, asking for a breakdown of what's in it. Um, yes, and they should. And, and they're, they're getting, obviously, the results back. It's clearly not as per the direct debit agreement that you agree, you know, when paying your water. So straight away, it's void the contract. Um, and people are claiming all their money back. Um and, and, and drinking far cleaner water. <laughs> and to make sure we don't lose too much interest of your audience, I want to make sure they know something. I just read yesterday that the UK has a campaign to ban all smoking by the year 2030. Have you heard this? No, I haven't heard it, no. Are you yeah. listening, Mum? hope so. <laughs> they are wanting to ban by the year 2030 all smoking mm. for the whole country. But they think they're behind and they're not going to be able to hit that target. And if they don't, uh, they're going to be upset and they don't think they can actually reach the target until like 2044. I just want you to know, in the, here in the United States, this isn't shocking, by the way, here in the United States, <laughs> just last week, there's this vaping nicotine tobacco product called uh, Juul. And our FDA just said, we're going to ban the sales of all of this uh, non-flavored Juul product for vaping which has a lot of nicotine. And then Joe Biden and his administration came out, President Biden came out the other day and said, we're going to 
we're going to demand that all manufacturers of cigarette companies reduce the amount of nicotine we allow in their cigarettes. Now, you have to understand, nicotine protects you from venom. And now when I expose this to the world, you can just see all these organizations and attempts to try to restrict mm. nicotine sales and agents uh, to consumers and citizens. But they still get the tax money and everything though, won't they? So they oh, haven't actually, lost, well, they've won twice, really. And, but I want you to know something. I read this article yesterday in Medscape, which is a medical online journal here in the United States, or maybe it's there too. Anyway, on MedPage, they said, it says the UK wants a smoke-free, it wants the UK to be smoke-free by 2030. And I was like, oh my God, this, this year, do you know what the year 2030 is significant for? That's the World Economic Forum's attempt that to say that there's not enough resources to sustain life on the planet past 2030. I mean, this is why they rushed COVID in was to try to vaccinate all of you, kill off a whole bunch of you, use remdesivir, midazolam, morphine all over the UK to kill a whole bunch of people, elderly first. Now they're going after kids and pregnant people to make them lose their babies early. This is a massive genocide eugenics program. And before I even go any further, I just want you to recognize, listen to what they say about nicotine right now. I made people aware, like the researchers in France, that nicotine is protective. And I cannot tell you how many people every day over the last eight, nine weeks since this water documentary dropped about venom and the aspect of COVID, when I mentioned the nicotine is protective, people around the world are chewing nicotine gum or using patches, and that's all you need. You only need it during your period of symptoms. You do not have to live on this stuff, and I do not recommend smoking ever. I just don't. Uh, but it was protective against COVID. Well, you got but all, the, you got all them, the smokers, then you got all the smokers going. I knew, I, I knew that I, I was, sm I started smoking for this time. <laughs> uh, I can't tell you. Medical doctors will call me and go, Doctor Artis. <laughs> I've been trying to figure out for two and a half years now why my mother, who's an all organic, vegan, dietary type, very picky about her health and fitness, why she got COVID two times. And my dad, who's a beer drinking, chain smoker, doesn't care about health whatsoever, has never gotten COVID until now. <laughs> and this is why it's just the nicotine was protective. And this was the observation worldwide. I just want you to know, pay attention now, because as the world is made aware by nicotine, the way that the French researchers, researchers wanted people to know and asked governments to do studies with nicotine agents. The very next week, our entire world lied to us and said, smokers are dying more than anybody else. No, they're not. Why would someone lie to you about that? Mm. Why would they lie? They didn't say we want the world to smoke. They said, will you please investigate patches and gums as a therapeutic to stop COVID. And the world went like this. Everyone needs to quit smoking. No one smoke anymore. No, we're going to put start putting bans on nicotine products. I mean, this is what they're doing and just totally ignored it. So anyway, it's just been awful. I do want you to also know, just, just watch the nicotine conversation because that's all about that. If mm. also you have any long haulers COVID symptoms, if they're neurological sense of taste and smell are lost and you're still dealing with that, or if you've had a hearing loss, we had somebody from Australia here, AJ, reach out to a podcast host, someone who does a podcast and had me on there and said, will you please relay this to Dr. Artis? I lost my hearing 100% in my right ear after getting COVID. And I started chewing Nicorette gum or nicotine gum. <laughs> she said, on day eight, my hearing came back in my right ear that I never thought was going to happen. But this was a long hauler symptom of venom tied to neurological tissue that the body prefers nicotine too. 
And for everyone out there in your audience, I, you have to understand, I believe God created this human body. Mm-hmm. There are receptors all throughout the human body that are only designed to receive and grab nicotine. There's receptors in every cell of the human body that are designed by God to grab cannabinoid from plants like the cannabis plant. Mm -hmm. Why did God put that stuff in there? I don't know, but I believe he designed it perfectly. And you have these plant derivatives, which includes nicotine from tobacco, cannabinoids from cannabis, There are receptors from natural compounds Mm -hmm. that God put on the earth, like those plants, and you, he put on this earth to benefit from these plants. I'm not saying you have to use them 24-7, but obviously they provided some life-saving resource for a lot of COVID-19 patients worldwide. Thank God. There's a lot of of cannabis dealers saving this episode right now and putting it out there as evidence saying, like, roll up, roll up, literally, come and get it. But I, I tell you, get what you're saying with the endocannabinoid system, and it's uh, even a system that you know, as a previous tra- uh, physical trainer and stuff like that, that I only learned about in the last couple of years, and just how powerful they actually are, uh, and how much of a positive effect plant plant based medicine has. And I had uh, two very good friends on the show recently who basically run a, a, a sort of like a, an online community in health, uh, Lads Talk Health, um, amazing community they've got, and obviously they they help a lot of people people have been told they've got cancer and they're going to die at, uh, with plant-based medicine. And, you know, these people are all healing and it's, it's absolutely fantastic to see. Um, and it's, it's funny, isn't it? Because you've got the nicotine side of it, the actual nicotine, which explains why there's so many tribes, I think it's in South America, that smoke to, like pure tobacco, but yet they'll go and smash out Ironman-like events and win them. Um, but it's, it's the chemicals that's put in them, isn't it? And it's the fact that... Yes cannabis cannabis they can't tax it and do all the other stuff to it which is why they make it illegal in a lot of countries um as well as obviously plant-based medicines aren't recognized in many countries including the uk and us that's right so there's this weaponized part of venom that actually is everyone should have known i was wanting to make sure the whole world knew it they got it through watch the water if you haven't seen it please watch it and then i want you to know that was a five-hour interview with Stu peters and i had 1500 documents but you hardly saw any of them because mm-hmm. he, he was so moved by the interview and had no idea I was going to show up with all that documentation that he, after I left from the interview, flew back home when Zev Zelenko called me the next morning to say, you're number one on a hit list. Stu Peters that same day was calling people from Hollywood to come to Minnesota to actually create a documentary out of this interview. And they made it very powerful, very emotional, very impactful. But at the same time, before he released that two weeks later, after I interviewed with him, took about two weeks for the crew to, to finish the film. I went to Mike Adams, who's called the Health Ranger here in America, and I filmed three and a half hours of all my documents with him. And uh, we have chapter one, two, and three. It's me and my concerns that COVID is actually weaponized venom, and they've been lying to you this whole time. And then how remdesivir, the drug, I spent a whole hour going through documents. How it is, I'm convinced remdesivir is either designed to be or is king cobra venom called Mm. cobra toxin every side effect of remdesivir aj every published known side effect is identical to cobra toxin from king cobra venom then in the third chapter is my concerns that the vaccines and the vaccine injuries for covid are simply a reaction to venom in the shots Mm. snake venom and that inside the shots exists a substance found in the venom glands of snakes called organoids. 
there was a Swedish doctor scientist named Eric Enby, E-R-I-K-E-N-B-Y, who last summer took a Pfizer vaccine and he put it under his microscope and videoed it and took pictures of what he saw. And the, it, there's a 17 minute interview of him with an investigative journalist asking him about what they're looking at under the microscope in the Pfizer vial. It's only the Pfizer vial. It's not in blood. It's just on the slide and they're watching it. Under the slide in the fluid of the Pfizer vaccine is this thing, it's alive because it's releasing particles. It's manufacturing stuff and sending it out into the water that the Pfizer vaccine's in. And the investigative journalist goes, what is that? And he goes, whatever that is, it's releasing particles that cause damage to cells in the body and leads to chronic illness and death by destroying cells of the heart, kidneys, liver. He's explaining all this. He goes, the particles coming from this little organism destroy organs in the body and then will eventually cause death. And he goes, do you know what it is? Well, just so you know, if you watch the video and then go online and type snake venom gland organoids, that's exactly what you're looking at. And snake venom organoids, they actually extract them from snakes, put them in a petri dish in a lab at a cold temperature or room temperature. And as long as it's not at a, at a heat shock temperature to the organoid, remember snakes are cold-blooded, as long as it stays at a cool temperature, remember they refrigerated all the vaccines early on. Do you remember all that? They had to be refrigerated. As long as you keep them cold, the actual organoids sit there and continue to produce venom. You don't need a snake anymore. You, you just need the organoid. And it will just sit there and generate venom as long as it stays cold or at room temperature. And he's sitting there looking at it going, whatever that is, it's going to cause massive disease and death in the people that get these shots. Someone needs to find out what this thing is. And then the investigative journalist goes, well, Dr. Eric Enby, I'm going to show you a clip from Luc Montagnier, the scientist who found HIV, who was just murdered recently. I believe he was murdered, but just died recently. But he's the discoverer of HIV and a Nobel Prize winner. He, he talks about these COVID-19 mRNA shots, Luc Montagnier does, and he goes, uh, what the mRNA shots do is they destroy your immune system so the body can't fight future infections. So as your body's immune system's being damaged, think white blood cells, T cells, those kind of things. As the mRNA is destroying those things, every time you see a new variant, it can just mutate very simply to bypass your immunity because you don't have very strong protection anymore. That's what these shots are doing over time. And it's just going to continue to perpetrate and continue the, the actual pandemic. And the investigative journalist plays the like three minute clip and goes, Dr. Eric Enby, is that what you see under the microscope? Is that what this thing's going to do? And uh, Dr. Eric Enby goes, uh, Luke Montagnier is wrong. That's not what I'm looking at. He goes, I've looked under microscopes for 50 years. These particles that whatever this thing is releasing actually kill cells of the heart, brain, liver, kidneys, not the immune system, and you will develop chronic diseases and you will die as a result of this poison, whatever that is. Uh, I just want you to know that there is a, for your audiences, if they're interested, you can go to covenomseries.com covenomseries.com it's a free documentary uh, but i filmed it with jonathan otto who's a filmmaker since watch the water dropped uh, it's actually titled covenom 19 but you can get it at covenomseries.com uh, watch that documentary it's me and a and an individual who works with the fbi and the cia his name is dr tal Braun. 
I didn't know until the day before I went to film with Stu Peters. Uh, I had no idea. I was in my emails, AJ, looking up all the articles I'd sent myself over the last five months that I wanted to download, print, and take with me. And in my emails, I typed the word Cobra so I could pull up all my articles related to King Cobra, Cobra Venom uh, in relationship to COVID. And on the second page at the very bottom was a group email with a whole bunch of people you would know from the COVID-19 movement. Mm -hmm. And it was just down there at the bottom. And I was like, what? Somebody wrote the word Cobra in a COVID-19 uh, email group. So I went down to click the email that I'd never opened and never saw it. I opened it. And it was from June of last year. Dr. Tal Braun in that whole group of people posted a letter, a copy of his letter to the FBI director here in the United States in June of 2021. And it said, I'm reading it the day before I go to see Stu. And it says, I'm, I'm reaching out to the FBI who he works directly with training CIA and FBI agents for years. He goes, I'm reaching out to you as a friend and a colleague. They keep talking like this is a respiratory disease called COVID-19. This is not a respiratory disease. This is envenomation. And I have proof and research studies to back it up. What is the FBI doing to make sure they're not spreading venom around the world in these vaccines? This is not a joke. And I'm reading this thing and I'm like, what? Someone else knew this? I had no idea. Mm -hmm. So I emailed him real quick. He called me back. I asked him, and all I asked him was, do you know who I am? And he goes, yes. I said, can you call me? So he calls me. And uh, I said, did the FBI respond to your letter in June? This is the first time I've ever seen it. And uh, he said, yes, the FBI wrote back and said, received the period, thank you, period. And that was it. He actually works in the U.S. National Counterterrorism Unit, Dr. Talbron does. He trains CIA and FBI agents in preventing, get this, AJ, mass killings. That's his job. How many people do you know have that job? His job is to train CIA and FBI agents how to prevent mass killings using biological weapons. This guy knew it was venom. He was telling the FBI it's venom. They ignore him. So he goes to his buddies at the U.S. Counterterrorism Unit. He's like, uh, you all know it's venom. The FBI is ignoring me, who I work with directly. I'm, I think I'm going to go public and tell the world. And his buddies at the U.S. National Counterterrorism Unit told him this. If you do that, Tao, you better go into witness protection and then do it. Do not. Do not do this without doing that first. Your life will be threatened. You already know it since the FBI is turning their back on you and their head. They're not wanting to look at it. You know, there's something nefarious. Well, he got scared and didn't say anything. So he just started working on an antidote at home and manufacturing an antidote to snake venom poisoning for the vaccinated. This is not a joke. When I reached out to him, he just was blown away that uh, I figured this out on my own. He felt like, and I said, oh no, God has been showing me all this stuff. It's been wild to watch. Uh, and very disturbing. And the very next day is when I filmed with Stu Peters, released the stuff. And now, uh, and I'd asked him, what did the, what did the doctors respond? How did they respond to your email in June of 2021? And he said, they didn't, they kicked me out of the group. They did the admins. I, I won't tell you the doc's name because he's like the lead of the whole COVID anti-movement. He kicked Tao out and would not allow him to contribute to the conversations anymore surrounding COVID worldwide. Uh, and he just felt, he felt very excited. Yeah, do you think there's an element of that is because um, of, from a doctor's point of view, so just a, a mainstream MD, like all the training that they get and all the through all that medical school and stuff like that, and I guess like however people may see it, you know, that, that knowledge, whether it's true or not, 
is they're embedded in their brain and obviously all that time they've spent in the studies and everything else like that. I found, this is why I found like your message so powerful is because you, yes, you're Dr. Brian artist, but you said chiropractor. So somebody who's fairly neutral on the subject, I find gives the best information because they do such extensive research because they come from a neutral plane. And I, I found that for like, this whole thing, the people that like expose certain elements of certain things that have gone on have been quite neutral on the matter. Do you know what I mean? They haven't specialized in that actual field and then come out with stuff. Is that something oh, you yeah. found? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's uh, those who are very close minded to one narrative. It's mm. very hard for them to be opened up mentally to the idea of including new information that they maybe mm. have not considered before. And unfortunately, whatever the reasons were, he just was slighted that they kicked him out and uh, wasn't allowed to contribute to the attempt to try to help people worldwide with COVID. And mm. he was shocked that I, with any international presence, would reach out to him and actually came to some conclusions on my own. Uh, but it's been, it's been amazing. So, so just to make sure your audience is aware, by the time the Watch the Water documentary dropped, I had given him tons of documents, and none of them hardly were in there. And that was okay because I'd already filmed a whole bunch of stuff with Mike Adams, with two other podcasters here who have large audiences in America, Scott McKay and Ann Vandersteel with Steel Truth. I'd already filmed those and I released them the minute the Watch the Water dropped. The moment it stopped, the Watch the Water documentary, the moment it ended, I actually texted all three of them and said, go pu push your thing to your audiences, all of my interviews with them. And then that just went worldwide. So that, that made it very beneficial, I think, to reach a lot of people at once. Uh, but I want y'all all to know, China researchers in January of 2020 said that the origin source of SARS-CoV-2 was from two snakes, not a bat. Then in France, they said the venoms, the, the spike proteins, two of them look like two components of venom and ran the gene sequences. They were identical to cobra toxin and banded crate snake venom, and then rabies virus too, oddly enough. And then in June of 2020, Italy, there's researchers in Italy, and they published their findings and submitted it for peer review to be published. And what they did in Italy as a result of the French and Chinese researchers saying venom is what was the spike proteins of SARS-CoV-2, they actually went around Italy to multiple cities and gathered 20 sick people with COVID who PCR tested positive for COVID. And they took blood, urine, and fecal matter from all of them. And then they went to 10 people who did not test positive for COVID, PCR-wise, and had no symptoms of COVID. And they took their blood, urine, and feces also. And they ran a mass spectrometry machine to see are there any venoms inside these people, like the Chinese and French researchers said COVID was. And what did they find? they found 36 different venoms from animals in the COVID-19 poop, urine, and blood samples, and they found zero venoms in the negative COVID-19 testing patients. Mm. I mean, not one, they didn't find any of them. They found 20 different snake venoms inside the COVID-19 patients. Not two, not Chinese crate only and Chinese king cobra, which they did find, they found 20 different snake venoms, including the spitting cobra, <laughs> brown snakes, coral snake venoms. They found taipan venomous snake venoms. I mean, they found tons of venom, 20 different snake venoms inside the body of these patients. 
Do you think this is, um, sorry, just to, to interject there, do you think like deep down, because we know this is very much like a dark versus light war and it's a very deep spiritual war and stuff like that, the whole use of the, the snake uh, venoms and stuff like that is an, an attack on God's creation via yes. serpent means. <clears throat> yeah, in fact, uh, I say in that interview that the, the evil side of COVID was never more apparent than when I realized this concept in me was that in the vaccines they're injecting directly serpent dna into your body mm. in fact i'm worried they're trying to change human dna using mrna gene editing therapy mm. and if you haven't seen this third chapter i did with mike adams please watch this interview the people who created the mrna covid 19 shots which is pfizer and moderna their names are Cataline Carrico and Drew Weissman at the University of Pennsylvania. They're the ones that created these. When I went, all I did was this online, type in Drew Weissman and Cataline Carrico in snake venom research. These are the two people that created these COVID-19 shots and have been given worldwide awards for lifetime achievement for mm. saving the planet with these shots. Same here in England. Yeah. In 2009, they started doing research for Anthony Fauci's department at the NIH. It's called the NIAID. And in the very first study I found with these two people doing snake venom research, I'm not kidding. They say they, at the end of this study, it says they're funded by the NIAID department to do one thing. And that is to do mRNA gene editing therapy. When you go to read how they're doing their research, they actually disclose that in order to cut the RNA or DNA in half to do mRNA insertion, they only use one thing to do it, snake venom phosphodiesterase, which is the component inside of venoms that digests and tears down tissue in the prey. Mm. They're using that substance in all of their gene editing therapy research using mRNA being paid by Anthony Fauci, <laughs> who's been the head of this COVID-19 thing this whole time. In 2009, they're doing studies with that. In 2012, they take mRNA of snake venom, snake venom mRNA, and wrap it in nanoparticle hydrogel. What's also in the jabs. Which is what's in the jabs. And then they take what are called dynabeads and they stick it inside the nanoparticle hydrogel. Mm -hmm. And dynabeads are what are called super paramagnets you remember all the magnetism going on around the world they're called super paramagnets they're nano little bitty spherical balls that are super powerful magnets and they're made by a company called thermo fisher scientific and i go through all of this with mike adams it explains all the magnetism it explains my concerns about the mrna it concern it actually explains this test medical doctors were doing after their patients got the jabs they would see massive amounts of blood clotting going on and they would order a test called a D-dimer test. Mm. Online, if you look up, how do you interpret a D-dimer test? It actually says on every online publication, elevated D-dimers can be indicative of snake venom poisoning. This is why I went and looked at the vaccines and who made them. And then I wanted to know, well, these two people who made these, have they ever done research with snake venom? Holy crap. Yes, they did. And the snake venom research was to do mRNA gene editing therapy, which is exactly what they're doing right now. 
So what you can start to understand now, AJ, is what these two people are doing, being paid by Anthony Fauci and the NIH, is to create something. I'm not kidding. You continue to hear this over and over. It is published. This is what they're trying to do. They keep trying to tell you these are new novel vaccines that they can now make your body make the spike protein, which is the infectious deadly part of this, this new virus, your body can now generate the spike proteins on its own without the need of the virus. And then your body can produce immunity against those spike proteins. What I'm telling you is they are getting your body to make spike proteins. The French researchers and Chinese researchers already said the spike protein is two venoms. Can you imagine if they figured out how to insert mRNA from a snake into your DNA to get your cells to replicate something snakes make, which is venom. Mm -hmm. And then they're releasing these spike proteins that are actually venom. And it fits what Dr. Eric Enby was seeing under the microscope. There's these particles that destroy all tissues in the body. Guess what venom does? Mm -hmm. Shreds cell membrane walls and leads to inflammation, disease all over the place. So yes, it is absurd. It's disgusting. Uh, and I'll just say it here, AJ, for the first time on a podcast in the UK. You ready? For your entire audience. Ready? I am almost 100% convinced that spike proteins is just a twist on a word snake protein. And snake proteins, by definition, is what snake venom is. So when they're saying there's spike proteins out there, I actually, every time I hear it, it's actually snake proteins, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. But uh, and that makes total sense, and it makes total sense. You know, they 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 sold this big thing using pictures, didn't they, of like spike proteins and cells, you know, online or virus, you know, like pictures and stuff. So it's all priming people and stuff. And you know, these news reporters and TV doctors are all talking about spike protein. This spike protein, that's a spike protein that's going to help you. When in fact, it's the very thing that's going to replicate and destroy, you know, your system from the inside within. Um, and if, you know, you can't tell from the outside, can you, as a normal human being? Um, it's when it starts showing up, like we're seeing everywhere, like autoimmune diseases, like, you know, everyone's seeing it within their own families now, obviously aggressive cancers, um, relapse of cancers, you know, um, we've had, do, you know, do you know that venom, do you know venom destroys alpha interferon? And that's the first molecule of your immune system mm. that controls what are called toll-like receptors and tumor necrotic factor that keeps your body from allowing cancers to spread mm. venom kills alpha interferon mm. and if it's in these shots it's just wiping that out yeah yeah you can't do it it's it's pretty horrific but um, I, know, I know you mentioned uh, dr zelenko earlier and he, he had a protocol didn't he um that he was uh, very fond of to help people that have had uh the shots and stuff obviously mitigate spike protein in that and um is there a certain antidote or a certain cocktail that you sort of recommend or swear by for people that have you know that know what's going on and just want to kind of mitigate this the replication of this protein yeah this is a really great question uh you know this they always promote zinc right zeb Zelenko said zinc is like the bullet and hydroxychloroquine is the gun that shoots the bullet into mm. the cells and he called hydroxychloroquine a zinc ionophore so zinc ionophore is something that assists preserving zinc in your cells mm. i just want you to know in all venoms of all snakes, they have this substance called zinc metalloproteinases. It's an enzyme that destroys zinc in your body of the prey. 
So it would make sense why you need to supplement zinc and you're seeing improvements with doing that. So I second and support everything Zev Zelenko said. Now, I actually don't think you need drugs personally. Mm -hmm. So I actually recommend something that's very similar. Quercetin, which is the natural compound. It's a flavonoid found in plants, like deep, rich colored plants and vegetables. Mm -hmm. Quercetin is the compound pharmaceutical drug companies used and isolated to make hydroxychloroquine and chloroquine. Quercetin, I prefer. I prefer natural stuff. So I would supplement mm. quercetin with zinc all the time. All the I guess, time. I guess anything else, you're just putting chemicals in your body, aren't you? We're not deficient like this stuff, are we? Unless obviously, you know, gene therapy editing things are making you deficient. Um, but like in general, we're not actually deficient in this stuff, are we? And it's, you know, it's a lesson again I've learned myself because after post-spinal surgery and operations and lots of back pain, you know, just flooded with constant painkillers and, you know, I'd like, I'd bad addictions with them in the past. Um, and I can totally see where people come from, but now I'm like, it just doesn't make sense to even put a chemical in your body because it's a lot of it's placebo anyway. Yeah. I do this all the time. I'll go, okay. in audiences, I'll do it right now. I'm, every weekend I'm in front of some audience somewhere and I'll go like this, raise your hand. Seriously. If you believe you get migraine headaches because you are deficient in aspirin, and they all yeah. laugh like that. And I'm like, well, if that's not why you have the migraine, why are we running to the cabinet to pop aspirin into our body as if we're low on aspirin? There's yeah. something triggering the headache. It's not ever a chemical deficiency. It's something else. Mm. So in asking me what would I recommend, this is what I recommend. I would recommend having a nicotine product on hand, nicotine patches, nicotine gums, just have it. You don't need to, you know, take it every day. Only when symptoms start, then I would do it. Mm. immediately i wouldn't even wait i would do two milligram tablets of gum in the morning two in the evening and then just one patch it's one mm. of it's one of the two you either do the gum or the patch yeah one patch a day or gum in the morning gum in the evening it's That's um, when you get it's, it, it, it. yeah it's, it's interesting you said that as well and, and and i was mentioning in a few previous episodes that deep down obviously this whole thing and i mentioned earlier about dark versus light but it's a, a fundamental attack on the human consciousness isn't it because um the the higher level of consciousness you have like the, well clearly you know the, what's going on um but to keep people dumbed down other than the fluoride in the water the crap food and the pesticides and everything else we've been subjected to and the indoctrination left brain education at school um the the whole point of that well not the whole point but a lot of the point of having the tests and that adamant about these these tests you have to use as well as the actual vaccines is to break the brain barrier isn't it which obviously then affects your pineal gland which means that your level of consciousness will never get to where it, what you're capable of um, and as human beings they clearly know that and that's it's been a massive attack on that hasn't it absolutely and speaking of the pcr test one of the things that was outright just incredible to me <clears throat> everyone knows if you haven't watched anything and you're not awake yet the majority of us know that the pcr tests are fraudulent and mm. faulty and do not test for respiratory viruses or diagnose viruses. That has been replayed a billion times over the last two and a half years, yet federal health agencies and governments have forced doctors to use a test they've never used before to diagnose a respiratory virus. You know what's interesting about PCR tests? <laughs> in my venom research, did you know they've been using PCR tests for 20 years in snake venom research to confirm DNA and genetic material of snake venom? Mm. And it's like, Wow. What if they're just testing for venom that you're drinking or breathing in, whatever it is, it's just 
crazy. The whole thing was set up by Venom. Mm. The whole thing was. Well, they uh, bought they bought millions of them, didn't they? The PCR test, like in 2018. There's all the doctrine that shows that they were bought on mass way before any of this started. So that they were there ready to start pushing out to people. For sure, you you are not kidding. So uh, let me just uh, share with the audience too some of my feelings when you're asking about what you would do. Yeah, they've been dumbing us down. Don't be dumb. Be smart. Be proactive. Get some nicotine and have some on hand. They're going to try to restrict that from you. Governments around the world are already reporting they're going to start reducing supply chain allowed mm. to their citizens for nicotine. I'm hearing it from South Africa, Australia. They're they're all trying to reduce this thing because they know it's life-saving against what they're trying to do. So I would just have it on hand. Uh, you can use things like ivermectin. If I was going to pr- have a drug around, ivermectin would be the one. I would just use quercetin personally. It's the same thing. It actually is beneficial to drive zinc into the cells, just like ivermectin. And remember, nicotine binds to nicotinic acetylcholine receptors better than ivermectin even does, even though it works very well. But you can use it if you want to. I just don't think you have to. So have your or nicotine stuff around. And then you want, uh, we mentioned uh, quercetin and zinc. Quercetin will be like 500 milligrams. Zinc will be I recommend, and I know people are going to say something about this. I have for years recommended 50 milligrams of zinc morning and evening with food. There are lots of research studies that support for every 20 milligrams of zinc, you should supplement one milligram of copper. So if you do what I said, 50 milligrams of zinc twice a day, that's five milligrams of copper in the whole day. And you Mm -hmm. can just get a separate supplement for that, if that's of concern. Mm -hmm. And then I would make sure you're on vitamin C. Vitamin C at 5,000 milligrams is inhibitory to all snake venoms and what's called phospholipase A2, which they found in people who died from COVID at elevations they've never seen in a human before. And this thing called phospholipase A2 was originally found in king cobra venom for the first time ever. Vitamin C is inhibitory to that. And so the levels of vitamin C in the blood were exactly in correlation to those who had the lowest risk factor for hospitalization and death from COVID. Mm. In fact, they reported last summer that uh, the fact that men in general have lower levels of vitamin C than women do naturally, they believe that was the offsetting factor that led to more hospitalization and death for men than women with COVID. So please supplement 5,000 milligrams minimum of vitamin C every day. And then there has been an orchestrated attempt to create blood clotting with these venoms called COVID-19 and with the shots to cause massive amounts of blood clotting. They're doing it. Everyone should be on NAC or N-acetylcysteine is what it's called, N-A-C, mm-hmm. and do 500 milligrams every day. I always recommend with 500 milligrams of NAC to also take selenium, S-E-L-E-N-I-U-M, at 200 micrograms it is a really really small amount you can get it in a capsule form anywhere you, any health food store 200 mcgs selenium with nac which are inhibitory to blood clotting factor it protects you from having blood clots they've even proven nac as a supplement is this good at stopping blood clots they've used it in research studies while doing surgery open surgeries on people with their bodies wide open arteries cut blood coming in they can use NAC as a supplement and keep those people from clotting. That's how effective it is wow. uh, and prevent them from clotting, which is mm. phenomenal. So I just want you to know, those are the things I would do every day in relationship to COVID. 
the quercetin, okay. zinc, vitamin C, NAC, and selenium. Just do it every day, and I promise you don't have to worry about a thing. You're all going to be okay. And and would you suggest that's good for people to take who's um, who's had a number of vaccines, and that's mitigates like spike protein. Oh, this oh, this is a very good question. So in the third chapter with Mike Adams, if you haven't seen it on my website, thedoctorartistshow.com, I have chapter one, two, and three. Watch chapter three. This is all about the vaccine. I already discussed here that Drew Weissman and Catalina Carrico created these COVID-19 shots, and they used snake venom in those shots called snake venom phosphodiesterase. I then discussed with Mike Adams. I said, you know what, Mike? You know what's interesting about this stuff that they're using in this gene editing therapy research i said i went online to see if i could just buy it and i found a company online called innovative research you can buy snake venom phosphodiesterase in a bottle and it says you can buy it for 133 dollars to do your own mrna gene editing therapy at home aj if you want to and i showed mike adams i said the, the important part about this is this it blew me away that in the summary of the product's description right below where it says click here to check out or to buy it actually says from the manufacturer who is selling snake venom phosphodiesterase that the people who made these COVID-19 shots say is in their research to do mRNA gene editing therapy. It says if you use this stuff or buy it, you cannot mix it at all with N-acetylcysteine, vitamin C, and glutathione because it totally denatures the snake venom's ability to do denaturing of proteins. So it destroys that, that toxin from venom. Mm. So anyone who's gotten these shots, when I just said I would be on NAC and selenium to help with the blood clotting, and I would be on vitamin C, this is why NAC and selenium together actually make your liver make glutathione, which these manufacturers of this stuff are saying, don't mix this stuff with glutathione, vitamin C, and NAC. If you do, it totally inhibits and destroys it. So mm. anybody who's gotten these shots, especially those who have had the mRNA injections or COVID-19 shots at all, there's venom in all of them. If they, you've gotten the shots and you have any lingering side effects afterwards, I'm recommending everyone worldwide, please find an infusion center, someone who does intravenous work to inject you with highest doses of glutathione and vitamin C. They will go through your medical history and tell you how much your body can tolerate. Here in the United States, there's even mobile units that will come to your home and do that. So anyone who's had these side effects after the shot, the goal is to get out the poison, whatever it is, out of your body. And your best chance is going to be glutathione and vitamin C infusions for those who have been injured. And then everyone else needs to be supplementing those orally because mm. those who have been vaccinated are also designed to shed their poison on you. Mm. So you might as well be taking this stuff so you don't get exposed or have any detrimental side effects from it. And isn't mm. it interesting, AJ, yeah. that of all the scientific terms they could actually mm. call this transmission of one vaccinated to another, that they came up with the word shedding. Like, you know, snake shed, right? Mm. Shed. Isn't it weird that's become a scientific term for people getting vaccinated could share their poison with somebody else? Yeah. So weird. This whole thing's very gross and nefarious. Yeah, but it's, it's all th like one road leads to another. And it's just like every day, is, it doesn't matter whether it's just this subject or even, you know, like we're seeing at the moment, it's been exposed massively with uh, the stuff of all the children and that. And it's just um, in, in a big way, it's just you, you things are coming more and more apparent every day and how it all links, you know, whether it's geoengineering or venom in the water or whether it's like, uh, you know, like tunnels and 
weapons of mass destruction this that and the other so it's all massively linked isn't it like in a in a big big way yeah aj you saw this but uh this was just eye-opening to me it's changed my whole world of how i see things mm. in fact i'm now most cancer in the entire world most are actually created by vaccines and drugs you're swallowing that you're being prescribed that are derived from snake venom because snake venom causes cancer. Then there's other companies that are making anti-cancer drugs patented from snake venoms, other components of those venoms to try to negate and control it. I think they're manipulating your whole physiology just with venoms. Uh, mm. it's, it's just disgusting. And there's enough evidence to support it. It's true, actually. Mm. And if you don't know it, go look at the history of a company called Genentech. Genentech. Gene.com is what it is. It, it's, it's wild. And then, uh, and then also, I just want to bring this up to you. Inside of uh, the UK is a brand new, well, not a brand new, but there's a manufacturing facility that did a press release two days after Watch the Water dropped the documentary. And the company in the UK is called Venom Tech. And this was their press release. They announced to the whole world that they are one of the world's largest manufacturers of snake venom peptides that can now they have technology that allows them to bind nano carriers to the venom peptides and now venom can be delivered through water systems now the reason why they were doing a press release on this was it was for all of the pharmaceutical companies in the world to now know you can now have patients not be required to swallow a pill that is made from venom you can now just put drops in water and have them drink it because they've figured out technology to stabilize the snake venom peptides in water. Now, AJ, they did not figure this out in the 24 to 48 hours after I released my documentary. Their yeah. scientific team did not go figure this out. They've been doing it for decades. And mm -hmm. people around the world have even said this, and I might as well just say it right now. People around the world have been like this right out of the gate. They were like, Dr. Artis, if you swallow snake venom, the gastric juices of your stomach denature it and it can't get into your bloodstream in your intestines. And I'd go like this, well, you're pretty ignorant. I would do that to their face. You're pretty ignorant. And they'd mm -hmm. go like this, why do you say that? And I'd go like this, do you know what lisinopril is? Lisinopril is a high blood pressure drug made by Merck. I said, it's been around for 40 years. It's for high blood pressure and it's made from snake venom and it's only a dry pill. You just swallow it. They figured out how to get venom in a pill for you to swallow. It's a dry pill, not a capsule. And it goes right through your gastric juices, gets into your intestines and into your bloodstream. You cannot tell me the pharmaceutical industry hasn't figured out how to stabilize snake venom peptides to get past your gastric juices. I said, there's 22 million Americans swallowing snake venom every day with a glass of water to lower their blood pressure every day. There's over 100 current pharmaceutical drugs being sold worldwide right now being prescribed by medical doctors made from snake venom. And you don't even know it. Mm. But me and the Mike Adams have done tons of stuff to publish this for the world because most of you didn't even know. And, and, and now we've exposed it all. And, and then obviously all these doctors and that, which you say, like sell, sell you all these drugs um, who've been through medical school and everything else that I think in, in essence, just following a procedure, aren't they? Because they're almost like... We say the word doctor and we think like, oh, person in a white coat, highly intelligent, like, you know, do all this kind of stuff. But we've knows seen it all. They know it all. And everyone's, it all. And then everyone's giving their autonomy to these uh, people. I'm not saying they're all bad, but there's a lot that have done a lot of things for financial gain. They've known exactly what's been going on. They've been threatened with their license. You know, if they like you just met, you mentioned earlier in the show about, you know, with Rembezivir, 
Um, everyone, you know, in other places around the world, they've been getting paid per shot they've been given to men, women, and children. Um, but in essence, like outside of that box, it's hard to actually, I guess, come to any kind of agreement on anything, isn't it? It's just like have, either have this pill or go and get this treatment done. There's no kind of like treating the the, the, the patient. You know, it's all about what's going on yeah. right there and then. Yeah, I used to. We used to kind of joke about the term practicing medicine as if you never actually learned how to use medicine. You're just practicing all the time. But I've actually grown to have a greater appreciation for what medical doctors are traditionally trained to do, which is to seriously practice medicine. They go like this. Hello, Billy. You have, um, you have arrhythmia. Your heart's not beating normally. So let's try this drug. Come back in a month. And you try the drug and you come back in a month and if their heart beats worse or it's just the same, then they take them off that drug and they try another drug. I mean, this is really the practice and art of medicine. There is no one drug fits all. There is no one magic bullet for everybody, yet mm. the whole world's been forced to believe all of a sudden that is the case. Mm. There's only this one drug, remdesivir, with these sedation drugs, midazolam and morphine. You can't use anything else. Uh, and it's going to fix everybody. No, mm. that's never been the case ever in history. And it's been uh, it's been very odd for this retired chiropractor to go around the United States of America defending the medical profession, trying to protect their licenses so they can continue to practice medicine the way it was designed uh, because not everybody is the same. I mean, could you imagine? I, I joked about it earlier about uh, our headaches, your migraines caused by aspirin deficiency. Do you know how many people have migraines and tried aspirin and it didn't work? So they went to Advil or something else, right? <laughs> it didn't work. So they go through everything they can think of until they find something that helps. But, but they don't oh. find any, no one ever finds a pharmaceutical that cures anything. That's the difference, isn't it? And, and there's not a drug on the planet that cures anything. Mm. There are drugs that kill things. Like for example, if you have a disease like lupus or rosacea, these are actual inflammation of an infection in your spleen. And it's usually from parasites. You can take ivermectin, for example, which is a drug, and it would kill something, the parasite, but then the inflammation created by the damage from the parasite in your spleen that leads to lupus and rosacea, the spleen has to repair before your symptoms will disappear. Mm. There's no drug that does that. You have to feed your body the B vitamins, the mm. collagen from the plants you eat, the fibers from your food you eat. You have to feed it that stuff in order for your body to have things your immune system can collect to repair it. Mm. No, no different than like a broken bone. We all know calcium makes up our bones, but magnesium is what carries calcium to the bone. Mm. So if someone breaks a bone and it won't heal faster or at the normal average time frame uh, that the doctors expected or you expected, that's because you're magnesium deficient. You can't mm. get calcium to the bone. So just go supplement magnesium that is found in meats and every vegetable on the planet and nuts. Go eat those foods or mm. take a supplement and magnesium load goes up, binds to calcium and carries it into the bone to speed up healing. And, and I, I, yeah, you touched on the, the most important word, the healing. And uh, you know, I mentioned earlier about, you know, our collective like human consciousness and uh, them knowing, knowing just how powerful we are when we are at that elevated level that we can heal ourselves. Hence why there's so many amazing healers around the planet um, that do things naturally in homeopaths, naturopaths, stuff like that, which is, uh, the NHS refused to recognise from 2017, funny enough, 
um and even doing courses on it and that's all frowned upon and stuff like that and there's a reason why and i hope people are really starting to see that and being exposed after the last couple of years um of just how detrimental this can be you know being put into this one system where you're only given one choice like if you're told you've got cancer it's like you don't get a choice it's like you have chemo uh chemotherapy and all this radiation or nothing if you're in the hospital system um it's pretty it's pretty odd Yep. Yeah, and you've got to try and break away from that if you don't want to go down that route, and that's just in that massive battle which I've seen many a time here in the UK. Um, but Brian, thank you so much for coming on the show today and spending some time with uh, myself, my, my wider audience, and sharing everything about what's in the water. Um, after this show, I'm off to rip out my kitchen sink, my shower, uh, anything that's connected to the mains. Um, I hope you'll all do the same, guys and girls. Um, and, and, and on the note of the water, I just want to take this opportunity because I haven't had a chance to do so already. Um, I've got a fantastic sponsor of this show, Zuda Water. Um, they've been keeping me massively refreshed with fresh alkaline water that goes through a five-system distillation process, and it's absolutely fantastic. So I just wanted to give this them the, the kudos and the opportunity for keeping me massively hydrated. And I can tell you now, guys, when we talked earlier about fluoride in the water dumbing you down and venom clearly um not drinking that type of water and drinking some of this distilled like this um has been a massive player in like my own elevation and being able to do what i can do um and it really really has and keeping a lot of clarity and stuff like that and you know the conversations i'm having just about water alone with people and the difference when they distill water or they're, they're just staying away from tap water and cheap bottle water the difference people have in their own clarity is second to none. So I really want, I just wanted to give Zuda Water a shout out, zudawater.com. Um, please check out their site, guys. They ship worldwide. Uh, and it's an absolute pleasure to have them as my show sponsor, keeping me and my family hydrated. Um, but Brian, um, you, you mentioned your website earlier. If you want to just uh, let us know again, just so where people can find you and they can find all your documentaries and that you've done. Sure. It's the, so T-H-E-D-R-A-R-D-I-S show.com, the doctorartistshow.com. And I do want to mention this to you because you brought up the water again. This is phenomenal. The CoVenom 19 documentary we just did, it's, it, you can find it at CoVenomSeries.com. I just have to tell you, inside of that documentary, I read to the audience documents that the CIA in America had to turn over to our Congress in 1975. They had to disclose this experiment that they did on innocent, unbeknownst, FBI federal agents. The CIA disclosed, and I read it, they actually take the venoms, King Cobra venom and shellfish venom. They actually take these venoms in 1975 and they put it in the water main that delivers the water to the water fountains of all the employees in the FBI federal building in mm. Washington, DC. They actually put the venoms in there. They shoot it up the building. All the employees drink it and get sick and then have to go to the hospital and then the CIA says, we got away with it. No one actually knew how they got sick, why they got sick. We just put venom in the water. Mm. And then they told this, the Congress, they said, we also figured out how to get venom out of the water so that it was undetected. And we didn't even have to filter it out in less than two hours. And this is what they did. Mm. They actually disclosed, they just had to dump a massive amount of chlorine into the water and it totally destroys venom and it disappears in less than two hours. And I have to tell you around this country, the United States of America, people have had moments where the chlorine was so intense in their homes, the vapors of chlorine, they had to leave their homes and go stay in hotels during this pandemic. This is what they were doing, putting venom in the water, 
saturating it with chlorine to make it look like there's an outbreak in your town and that it left. And then they're going to create the next outbreak. The fact that the CIA disclosed that they used venoms in water delivery systems in the 70s to make unsuspecting federal agents sick and then ex exposed or disclosed to the Congress that they could just use a certain amount of chlorine to do it. Mm. We've already known that they could do this 50 years ago. You don't think they've figured out how to master this over the last five decades? This is five decades ago. Yes, they have figured out how to do this. And every venom, I just want to make sure everybody does. I'm not saying they're milking snakes. They're not doing that. They have the ability since the 1970s to mass manufacture snake venom components called peptides, little sequences of venom in factories around the world. That's what they make a lot of the drugs that we use every day from. They mass produce them in factories. Then they just dump it in whatever they want to or drop it in from the air. Uh, watch that because uh, it's a pretty incredible revelation. And Dr. Talbron reveals that he's his concerns for the coming he, he says the the deaths haven't even started yet from the vaccinated he said what's going to happen and he discloses it all in the documentary is that they're going to aerosolize king cobra venom and conotoxins which are marine snail venoms they're going to aerosolize it in the air ducts of schools they're going to you can buy spray cans right now of King Cobra Venom. I didn't know this, but he teaches you how you can do that. And they're going to actually spray it in airplanes, subway trains, uh, schools. And when the vaccinated who have already had venom injected in their body, when they inhale venom into their lungs, their lungs are going to actually have a reaction where the venoms in the body hit the venoms in the lungs. It's going to shred the alveoli sacs in your lungs, the tissues in your lungs that draw on oxygen. And you're going to bleed out internally in your lungs. And then your body's going to develop scar tissue to stop the bleeding really quick. And you're going to develop what's called pulmonary fibrosis. And the vaccinated are going to die in droves. That's the setup, he said. Remember, this is the guy who is in the U.S. National Counterterrorism Unit who trains FBI and CIA agents in preventing mass killings that people use from biological weapons. Hmm. That's this guy. He says that's the die-off that is coming. You haven't seen nothing yet. And his concern is about this upcoming fall. So this is why we're trying to get this information out. Like when you asked me, what about the people who got the mRNA shots? And I said, it's interesting. Those who made the shots use this thing called snake venom phosphodiesterase. And the company that makes that stuff says, don't mix it with these things, glutathione, NAC, vitamin C. All of you should be taking these things every day because it inhibits these things mm. that are already being used in research to develop these biological weapons they're calling vaccines. Unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. But thank you so much for that information. And the uh, people watching are pleased to know uh, I've actually booked in with uh, Tal Brown to come on the show. Um, so then it will follow up from this one. So uh, it'll be uh, yeah, a lot of uh, valuable information again to share with everybody. Um, but Dr. Brian Artis, thanks again for sharing all that amazing wisdom and, you know, the clear amount of hours of research and not even mention that, like the threat to you and your family that you've had this whole time, you know, and, and on your life and family members, lives, friends, and, you know, which could come at any time. Um, you know, I, I want to take this opportunity to commend you for your hard work and what you're doing for the people all around the world, because it's, you know, it's absolutely phenomenal. And, you know, you, you deserve some massive, massive kudos. And as do your family do for, you know, supporting everything you do as well. It has been very, it's actually been harder on my kids knowing that there was this threat out there <laughs> than it was to me. Mm. Uh, just making sure we had security around was good, but it was very hard for them uh, to consider mm. something bad might happen to their dad. That was mm. very overwhelming for them. They yeah. know it's been a very personal journey for me, but, yeah. but thank you for your kind words. And man, I hope the parliament keeps unloading and I hope there's a huge shift there in the UK 
because there's been massive amounts of evil and corruption in the heads of all governments worldwide. Uh, and man, it's been a effort on a lot of our parts to try to expose as much of it as possible. So I we can make sense of the madness they're creating. So yeah, God so bless all of you. Certainly does. Guys and girls, I hope you enjoyed today's show. Please share it with as many people as you can. We need to get this information out there. Uh, likewise, please make sure you check out my insiders world where we go deep into further into a lot of this uh information we've got a fantastic community that's growing every single week with like-minded people who want to be there uh, so please check that out www.insiders-world.com um, and you'll find the most amazing people there it's an absolute pleasure to be very much part of it but until next time guys take care of yourself watch the water and i'll see you again very soon on the aj roberts show